Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps commentator and investor. I've been doing this over 20 years now for my living, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Roller coaster ride, sometimes good years, sometimes bad years, uh, like all investors uh, say. So I'm certainly not putting myself up as any kind of guru here. I'm just a, a commentator, and I, I enjoy doing the work. So um, it is Saturday, 10th of June, 2023. Hello to everyone. We've got a, a small but loyal listenership which is uh, growing I'm pleased to say from the stats uh, which is very I'm very pleased at given how awful market conditions are for small caps at the moment so uh, as long as people are still interested I'll I'll continue making these uh, these blogs and I do enjoy doing them podcasts rather I'm a bit tongue-tied today I've had to scrap this recording once already uh, so so um, sorry about that if I uh, if I become a bit uh, incoherent now Monday's report oh yes obviously the Stockopedia small cap value reports I've been writing now for about I think it's 11 years or certainly 10 so thank you to, for, to Stockopedia for their support it's great working for the site and uh, I thoroughly enjoy it and apologies for me being a little bit unreliable at times um, but hopefully the good days make up for the bad days right now on Monday 5th of June 2023 there was hardly any news there um, uh, so I had an unscheduled duvet day uh, but Roland looked at three micro caps which all look pretty uninspiring so basically no no significant news on Monday so just looking at the reader comments actually on Monday, they were just in, they were very interesting. I've just read through them all and replied to a couple now actually. Uh, thank you to the Jamin who uh, uh, thanked me for the podcast, saying they were enlivening. So uh, <laughs> that's a good uh, a good description, isn't it? So if I can make a dull topic lively, then I'm obviously doing something right with the podcasts. And he likes my uh, use of the phrase corporate woke washing, <laughs> which I used last week when I had a bit of a, bit of a rant about that. Oh, Ken Mitchell, who's one of our regulars, he pointed out a uh, a post by Shoeshine Boy, which was a review of the recent Mellow Chiswick event. It's got over 100 thumbs up, that article, so I'm going to read that when I finish this. Thanks for flagging that, Ken. Now, The Raven and Joshwood976 and uh, Helvelin all chased me, or commented at least, on ME International, MEGP. This is the one that used to be Photo Me, and have asked me to review it. Now, sorry, I was a bit delayed on that, but I did get round to it. I think it was on Thursday or Friday, uh, so we'll come on to that in a minute. Apologies for the delay. Uh, it looks very good, I think. It was on my uh, my runners-up watch list for 2023 favourite shares, actually, and it's been the star performer on that list. I think it's doubled um, year-to-date. I think that's right, but I'll check later. Now, Carvalho's posted, thank you to Roland for writing up on some sort of quite obscure micro-caps. That's quite interesting, because we often have people have a go at us, saying, why are you writing about this share? You know, it's illiquid, it's 12 million market cap. Write about something that's investable for me. But I think the interesting, the whole point of the Stockopedia small gap value reports that we write is that we've got this compendium of, um, if that's the right word, of, of over 550 shares that you can just dip into and look back uh, at after the event. So even things that are not of interest and that we think are rubbish, we'll write something about it so that you've got, you know, you've got that resource in the system that you can look back on. So I think we cover pretty much all the interesting company updates. So 
the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned. So we're gonna, uh, we haven't had any complaints about our coverage lately. We did have a flurry about a year ago um, and we took it on board. Yes, maybe we're, we were giving too much coverage to shares that I personally liked and particularly as they, they didn't work um, in most cases then, uh, or at least in five or six cases, uh, Jules, uh, Hostmore, uh, Unbound Group, Boohoo, and one or two others. But, you know, if you're covering 550 stocks, loads of them are not going to work, and some of them will work. And the point is, we've been in a savage bear market. So, of course, you know, the, I, I don't understand why people f- attack me occasionally for the fact that, oh, you said this was good, and look, it's down 90%. Well, the facts have changed. Putin invaded... Uh, Ukraine, which has buggered up um, economies in, uh, all over the world. Um, we've had, uh, you know, uh, savage increases in base rates. The macro factors have dramatically changed in the last year or two. That's why the bottom has fallen out of the small cap market. And I was looking at the market breadth, and it stopped on Stockopedia, and it was saying something like um, two-thirds of shares have gone down and only about a third have gone up. So anyone's stock pick, you'd have to be, you know, very, very lucky, basically, or, or incredibly skillful to have only picked shares that have gone up. Well, of all the people I know, um, you know, the, the most serious, biggest investors, practically everybody's down over the last year or two. You've got a few people who got lucky with takeover bids. But there again, if people keep getting lucky, <laughs> you know, it's got to be skill, hasn't it? So I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm just, all I'm just saying is in a savage bear market, in a horrible macro position, yes, a lot of shares will have gone wrong that probably looked quite good a year or two ago. <clears throat> That's the way markets work, isn't it? Although I should say my 2023 picks are doing very well. I'm really pleased with that. And I published these picks at the beginning of January. My uh, my main watch list of 20 shares is up 10% year to date. And that's in a market for some these are all small caps. That's in a market that's fallen. So I've significantly outperformed on my watch list so far for 2023. So I'm very pleased about that. The star performers are BOTB, uh, Port Merion, Goodwin, Reynold. What else have we got? Let's scroll down. Rotala, Angling Direct, Gleason, Cerulean, Hargreave Services, Sasandar, Volex. Um, <clears throat> these are all up here to date, some of them quite significantly. Uh, and then there are only, on my main tw- top 20 shares for this year, there's only actually three that are down significantly, which is Watkin Jones. That's actually already started to recover Wing Canton, same thing. I'm sticking with it because it's it's now recovering. And Quiz, which is so illiquid, the price doesn't really matter. It can shoot up or down. And Wix has not been great this year. That's down yeah, a few uh, a few percentage points. But other than that, all my other top twenty shares um, are doing tremendously well. So uh, yeah, some good some good value and GARP picks for 2023 so far. And touch wood, you know anything can happen. We had some other interesting comments on Monday. Uh, John Birdie linked to an article about uh, how Boohoo and ASOS and Misguided and Frasers are really screwing their suppliers in Leicester with retrospective discounts. So that was very interesting. So I've just added a comment to that article. Thank you for that, John Birdie. Now, uh, Kendall posted out a rather tetchy comment about Tristel, saying, yet again, you've missed out on the very important announcement from Tristel. So I've just replied to that and said, actually, we've covered Tristel 41 times since 
<laughs> since the small cap value report started. It's one of the co- the companies we keep a closest eye on. Uh, but it wasn't actually a trading update, so it slipped through the net on on Monday. It was it, they finally got FDA approval. Tristel have so I've just added a comment to that, pointing out that we do follow it quite closely. But there was no financial details in the FDA FDA approval announcement, and the shares are very pricey. So it's got to be a game changer, otherwise the shares are going to come down. So good luck with Tristel anyway. It's a nice little company, just a bit too expensive for me at, at thirty eight times forward earnings. Right, moving on to Tuesday, I came roaring back into action on, this is the 6th of June 2023, very, very interesting announcement, a takeover bid for National Milk Records, NMRP. Now this is at an 87% premium, which is fantastic news for shareholders. It's a very, very obscure little company. Um rather strange company. Um, We've spotted it in the Small Cap Value Reports before. Graham described it a few months ago as a high-quality, under-the-radar stock. So that was... uh well done to Graham for that. I can't remember what I've put about it before. Probably that, you know, there, was, there wasn't really any growth there. It was profitable. Um, it keeps records and does sort of scientific testing for the dairy industry. So a real niche thing. Uh, now, the food giant ABF, Associated British Foods, which also owns Primark, of course, <laughs> very strangely, but it does. They're heavily into the dairy sector and they've bought it. So I pondered the reasons for the deal and I, I wanted, I asked um, some shareholders in it to uh, contribute to the debate and to say why why did you buy it what did you see there that wasn't obvious from the numbers certainly Um, but unfortunately I think they were all probably too busy celebrating the 87% premium uh, to to share their thoughts with us which was a pity because I was hoping we could coax them obviously the more we learn about companies where there are bids the more we can hopefully try and predict what what other companies might be bid for so i think it's always useful to look at takeover bids and see why did the bidder bid for it but anyway we don't really know it was the announcement just said they saw it as a good strategic bolt-on and that's the thing isn't it i think with takeover bids they often come for the most unlikely companies because they see some sort of um strategic fit or benefit from combining the two businesses and which may not be obvious at all often isn't obvious from the value or growth numbers and that's certainly the case with national work records it's a nice little company on a p about 10 not really any growth in profits so probably valued about right in terms of the public markets but to abf it was worth considerably more so um yeah i thought that was very very interesting and do add some thoughts uh, to uh, Stockopedia if you want to explain to us what it was that ABF saw in National Milk Records. OK, what else? Uh, Graham looked at Team 17, a new CEO there. He uh, uh, pondered that. Uh, oh, now I looked at this one, which has been a former mystery share, actually. I don't want to make it a mystery share again, but I do really like it. Oxford Metrics, OMG. Very, very interesting company. Well worth you having a look at if you're into sort of value and special situations. The interim results came out. I'm positive on these. It's 134 million market cap. Now, the most interesting thing here is almost half the market cap is a net cash pile. They pulled an extraordinary deal out of the bag, selling one of their... Funnily enough, it looked like the worst part of the business. I think it was even loss-making. They sold it for a tremendous amount. So these are very rough figures. I don't have them in front of me. About 50 million or something. Stunning deal. Obviously, that's been reflected in a higher share price. I think management here looked really, really good. Anyway, 
these H1 results were absolutely superb. They make really high-end um, cameras for uh, slow motion filming and uh, computer gaming. and I mean, it's real high-end stuff, and they seem to have hit a sweet spot where these cameras are in great demand and there's an order backlog. They've got the H2 numbers pretty much in the bag due to an order backlog. Uh, I think the shares are cheap um, still, despite they've, they've gone up. I think they've come off a bit. They hit £1.11 in the morning, and they've come off a bit towards the end of the week. I'd like to buy some of these at some point myself, but... You have got risk about what management does with the cash pile. But I think the commentary from OMG management um, <clears throat> reassured on that. They're basically not letting that cash burner a hole in their pocket. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for the right deals at the right price. And based on their track record, I have to say, say OMG looks like very, very good deal makers. So I think that one's really interesting, but not without risk. You know, if they buy something rubbish and overpay for it, that's destroyed half the value in the company. So, yeah, very interesting risk-reward on that. Now, Graham looked at Kemring, CHG, that's a £796 million uh, defence group. So, um, defence group's quite interesting at the moment, obviously, because of uh, geopolitical risks increasing considerably. Uh, and I looked at Cohort last week, which I thought looked quite good as well. Quick comment from Graham on Gooch and Housego. Uh, now, if I made a comment on Zotfoam, ZTF, this is one of my favourite shares, medium long term, uh, although I think uh, the valuation's still a little bit too high for me want to buy. I'm hoping to buy in around £3 a share. It's about 350 360 at the moment. But it announced a very uh, important update, actually, which went under the radar. It's got single client risk, so its biggest client by far is Nike, where Zotfoams is a specialist um, plastics foams type company that makes high-performance, lightweight foams. And it uh, has an exclusivity agreement with Nike to make the soles for high-end trainers, which are very much in demand because they, well, they make you run faster, basically, <laughs> is the non-expert view on it. Well, anyway, I've always been worried about single client risk with Zotfoams. I think Nike might have been as much as 40% of revenues uh, off, off the top of my head. But so anyway, an announcement came out saying that Nike has extended the contract. Uh, no details given of the con contractual terms because it's it's confidential. But it's extended that co contract to the end of 2029. Now that to me seems really significant. The market barely reacted to this announcement. But that to me uh, probably removes the single client risk. And also, maybe Nike might bid for, for Zotfoams at some point, take over bid, um, if it's a, you know, a key supplier. But it also, I think, reinforces my view that Zotfoams really does have uh, some specialist expertise, and maybe some patents, I don't know. Um, so I, re I think Zotfoams is a very, very interesting little, little business. Uh, it's performing well, it's demonstrated pricing power, um, through the last year or two. I did listen to their management webinar, which is on, I think it was on Investor Meet Company, which was done in late May. I listened to that yesterday afternoon after I'd knocked off for the day. And I have to say I was a little bit uninspired by it. The Big Blue Sky project with Zotfoams is these uh, drinks cartons that are fully recyclable, whereas the Tetra Pak type cartons have multiple... Um, multiple um you know components including aluminium which means they're not readily recyclable 
Um, so, um, but the, and this is called Resource the, with, with a Z. That's the Zotfoams project. Now, management sounded um, a lot less upbeat about it. I remember talking to them uh, maybe six months or listening to other podcasts six months a year ago where they were really excited about the blue sky potential of this massive, massive market. Billions and billions of cartons are made each year globally. and um, But they're now sounding much more cautious on it, saying, well, if it works, so it's not actually proven yet technically, and it could just be a niche product, but a niche in a, in a gigantic global market is still a lot of money. So, I don't know, subjectively, they sounded less excited about it. So I might hold far on buying Zotfoam shares for the time being. Um, but the trouble is, you know, then if something exciting does happen, you've missed the boat. So it's a tricky one. I mean, I think the company does stand up, does stack up as it is. And of course, if they do abandon this resource project, that'll add two or three million a year to profits. So, you know, once you strip out, because it's currently burning two or three million a year. So I don't know, I'm a little bit on the fence on, on Zote Foams in terms of valuation, but I think the potential there is quite exciting and the existing business is good. So we'll, we'll continue to ponder that one. Now, reader comments, um, Polarin Imaging, um, somebody flagged up and asked me for my opinion on a collaboration with Philips in their MRI machine. So I had a look at it, but said, you know, there's nothing I can add because there's no, no financial details. Um, and the, the Polarian imaging still looks interesting, I think. But, um, uh, you know, investors are just focusing on the cash burn and the need for another fundraise. And management have really shot themselves in the foot by instead of talking it up and then doing a, a fundraise when the shares were about a quid, they've let them just languish and collapse down to about 20, 25p. Uh, and that management just focus on the cash runway and the need to raise cash. Well, you don't do it that way, do you? You do it the other way, right, way round. So they've really messed up there, I think, management. But it still looks very interesting. And obviously, you know, look, if Philips want to get involved with it, um, some the product must be interesting, mustn't it? So I don't know. Speculative, so really outside my area of expertise. But I do think Polarian Imaging might be one I might have a tiny little speculative flutter on, you know, for maybe one, one and a half percent of my portfolio. I think it's, it's, it's fun, isn't it, to just have the odd speculative dabble. Readers were also discussing uh, a, a significant sale of a subsidiary by Chroma Security Solutions. There's some deferred consideration there, so they're discussing about whether they're likely to receive that or not. The only thing I would say is, in those situations with big deferred consideration waiting to come in, you've got to look at who the bidder is and how much money they've got. Because if they're, you know, if they're wanting to defer some of the consideration, it says to me that they're strapped for cash. So you may not actually get the money. But I think here, effortless cool, as he calls himself, uh, it sounds pretty confident they'll get the money in. And if they don't, he's pointed out that control reverts back to Chroma Security Solutions. So that was a useful extra bit of information. So thank you for that, EC. Uh, Shanklin 100, another of our regulars, takes the opposite view and said, massive amount of trust required in terms of deferred cash. Is it wiser to value it on the basis that the cash is never received? Very good point. Up to you how you see it. Opinions may differ, as I think the Queen said. No, oh no, that was recollections, wasn't it? Oh, Roger H also asked me for my views on XP Factory, because I haven't, that's my second largest personal holding. I haven't done a detailed write-up on it, uh, because I don't think there's really anything to say about the historic numbers. They're irrelevant 
right from the start because it opened 20 new Boom Battle Bar sites to, right, bunched towards the end of 2022. So they have not contributed anywhere near a full year's um, revenues. The, the, so I've done a reply here. So see Tuesday's report there for my thoughts on XP Factory. It's uh, I think a lot of the readers just don't get it. It's a rollout of... Uh, a new format. The site economics have been proven at site level. They're very good for both formats, actually. And uh, it's now it's got 5.9 million central costs, so which is too much, I think. Um, but um, obviously, the, every site you bolt on adds another 50 to 200 grand uh, EBITDA, which um, the landlords are paying for the um, for the fit outs <coughs> through reverse premiums and rent free periods. So it's just in a beautiful sweet spot where it's getting fantastic uh, property deals thrown at it. And, you know, this is building a substantial business. If you look at the forecast, the 2023 numbers are going to show a much, much bigger business and it it should be profitable. Plus, they've said in Q1 2023, they're trading ahead of of expectations. So I think if if you get how to do growth company investing then have a look at XP Factory. But it's not for value investors. And obviously, the small cap value reports, the clue is in the name. Most of the readers are value investors who um, who I think are not really au fait necessarily with how you look at, at growth companies. I see Janos Wan has come out with one of his typically scathing replies, which he uh, seems to like to post, saying, maybe, Paul, just maybe, it might be you that doesn't grasp it. Well, it's possible, I suppose, isn't it? There are always two ways of looking at everything. So um, the company will certainly have to raise more cash. The share crown will increase by at least 50%, and it is not cash generative. Well, I, lo- I love it when people say, this will happen, this will happen. You know, the journalists do it, don't they? You don't know what will happen. You're trying to look into the future. And actually, uh, 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 XP Factory is cash generative, and you can see that because... The April cash balance was higher than the December cash balance. And all these sites that were opened late last year are now throwing off cash flow. So you're completely wrong, I think, Janos won. But thank you for your contribution anyway. It's always interesting to hear an opposing view. And it's not going to raise more cash because it doesn't need to, other than for expansion. I've asked the CEO, and the numbers clearly show that it doesn't need to raise more cash. So uh, we'll see who's right. And then we always get the comments about people going and visiting the sites. Nanotrader09 said uh, he went to the Oxford Street branch uh, and it was empty. Well, I've been to the Oxford Street branch about five or six times at all sorts of different days and times, and it's been heaving every time I've been there. So it just shows, and I believe it takes over five million a year, that one site, So um, on a rent of 500k. So it's a gold mine for the company. So it just shows, doesn't it, visiting sites will uh, for, for multiple hospitality-type businesses uh, gives wild, wildly different... Um, Uh, points of view depending on just you know the randomness of that individual site and we've also had some very good comments from david j hill about uh always really good comments thanks david keep it coming about the danger of relying on trust pilot um reviews which are very often uh skewed by people paying for uh to have positive reviews on trust pilot so i thought that was all very interesting
We've also got John Doe, 2378, and Chris W. both commenting on the compelling valuations in small caps, and they both agree. And Chris W. says, I've been investing since 1984, and except during catastrophic market falls, I can't remember seeing so many cheap, small and mid-cap stocks. I completely agree. I've been investing properly since 1998, and um, uh, that's my thought as well. You know, some amazing small and mid-cap bargains right now. Uh, and then he also, Chris W says, small cap fund managers still appear to get getting outflows. I think that's absolutely right. There's, there's a structural problem here where small cap funds are just, you know, pretty much forced sellers in some things. I've seen this before, um, particularly in 2002. And when when that forced selling ends and the and the and the good news starts to flow, you get a fantastic bull run. 2003 was the best year I've ever had in investing. Um, and it's because I backed up the truck and loaded up in really cheap, bombed-out stocks in 2002. Um, so it just shows, you know, you've got to remember during these depressing, miserable times, the market's throwing the bargains at you, and a lot of things are starting to form a base now, I think. Good, decent-quality small caps, p- plenty of them are basing out, so I think we've just got to hold our nerve. Or, I should say, you know, sitting in cash is a perfectly valid strategy as well. I think it's a very good strategy. Uh, actually, given that you can earn four or five percent interest on your cash, so I'm not suggesting we should all remain fully invested. Everyone's just got to do it their own way. I think people who who went out of the market and went into cash last autumn, for example, um, you know, what a great move. You know, so everyone's got their own way of doing things, haven't they? Right on to Wednesday, the seventh of June. Graham looked at Ramsden's Holdings (RFX). I knew he was going to grab that one first when we made our to-do list. He, he really likes that one. Interim results. Graham is always positive on this one, and he remains positive. Um, and it, I have to say, it does look very good value. Um, so, yeah, we like Ramsden's. Now, I looked at Hostmore. Um, now, despite the fact that I, I held this share at the time, I flagged it as red negative. Uh, the market didn't seem to grasp the fact that this was actually a very poor update, AGM trading update. And I have to say, uh, you know, management saying that the like-for-likes are broadly consistent uh, with the first 16 weeks of the year is just simply untrue. They present the numbers in a way that it's not obvious, but if you if you work it, if you recalculate the numbers yourself, they've actually gone from minus 1% like-for-likes in the first 16 weeks to minus 8% in the most recent six weeks. Well, that's not broadly consistent at all. That's simply untrue, what they said. It's, uh, so that means I don't trust management now, I'm afraid, here, even though they're new management. I think they're doing a lot of good things. I pondered it for a while, but I've actually sold uh, my host more shares. And I should add, I, I only had a tiny, tiny position that I bought a couple of weeks ago when they when they did that presentation saying they were going to start generating 10 million a year and they'd pay off the bank debt in two months a lot of us thought well this sounds impressive good strategy from management but i don't think they're going to achieve that 10 million target at all they can't do not with not with like for likes having plunged to minus eight percent you're on a 75 percent gross margin so this has a big geared effect to the balance sheet but on the positive side it has saved more money on its energy costs this is a really important um tailwind now that a lot of companies are going to be uh, getting much uh, improved energy prices and for multi-site operators or factories that use a lot of energy that's a big tailwind so very positive 
uh, as energy prices are plummeting on a wholesale basis. I think host more now it's too risky again, so I'd ditch them. Uh, I think there's very high risk of it needing um, dilution. If it can get through without dilution, if the bank remain cooperative, then I think you could potentially have a multi-bagger on your hands with host more. But I think given that the interest rate backdrop is getting so bad now for families with mortgages, I just can't see any catalyst for for an improvement in sales at host more. So sorry, but I've turned negative on it because the facts have deteriorated and I don't like the way management tried to conceal that. Fire Angel, oh God, F-A dot, used to be Sprue Aegis, used to be a really nice profitable company, absolute basket case now, but anyway, it's got a reprieve here in that uh, it's managed to get another fundraise away of 5p, but there's dilution from warrants at 3p, Um, uh, it sacks its CEO and replaces the chairman and CEO with... Now, this is interesting, former directors from Universe Group, and they did a pretty good job at Universe Group and got a good sale price for the business. So it's interesting that they've decided to come in and and hopefully try and turn Fire Angel around. The only thing I would say is that when you take into account all the dilution and assuming all the warrants get exercised, uh, the valuation is is still quite high, uh, given the company's disastrous performance. Another interesting angle on this is that a supplier that's owed two, two and a half million has agreed to convert that into equity. Well, that's an interesting angle on it as well. So signs of potential there. I think we'll keep a closer eye on Fire Angel, but obviously as things are now, it's uh, saved itself from insolvency. But I think as you know, the jury is out on whether it can turn itself around or not. Let's wait and see. Now, uh, the next one, I really like the look of this, actually. VP Group, uh, VP full stop is the ticker, up 4% on uh, good, solid results to March 2023. I've come away impressed, and I should disclose that I subsequently bought a tiny opening size position in it, actually, uh, which I recycled my host more money into. So, um, but, you know, we're only talking an insignificant amount of money. I like to take a tiny opening position just so it's higher up on my priority list for me to keep a look at. Uh, you've got a 6% dividend yield at, at a VP Group. It does um, equipment hire in, in niche areas. It's owner-managed. The main shareholder owns 50% and is seeking an exit. He's 72. He put the business up for sale in April 2022, wasn't able to find a deal that was acceptable. So he obviously wants to sell. So at some point, you almost certainly, I would say, we'll get a takeover bid for VP Group. So that's a nice thing to have in the back pocket. And in the meanwhile, you you, you get your 6% divvies along the way. So I like that one. I think the figures look good. Its, its outlook comments are quite solid as well because of the niches it serves it's actually fairly upbeat about the outlook. Um, So despite residential house building obviously having slowed, other sectors like infrastructure and government projects are doing quite nicely. So have a look at VP Group. I think it's interesting. And Graham looked at City Pub Group, CPC, which uh, he and I both think is pretty good, but the valuation's too high. Also, Graham said, (laughs) if the Italians say, quote, if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase, Graham, but it's, uh, it's quite intriguing. This is in response to CPC saying they argue that sales would have been better if it was not for rail strikes. <laughs> so a funny little quote there from Graham, anyway. 
Actually, I don't have to rush. I've just remembered the file size uh, can be bigger for I'm just posting these on Acast now, not on my own website, Quality Small Caps, which I still haven't got round to sorting out how it's been hacked. But anyway, um, <clears throat> it's easier just publishing them on Acast and then they go out to all the podcast channels and there's no limit on the file size. So I can waffle on for a bit longer. <laughs> now, what else are we looking at? Oh, um, <clears throat> Jazz VFS, who's one of our regulars, um, mentioned uh he also likes ramsden's oh yeah he mentions loop up which i've covered a lot in the past been an absolute disaster um six million market cap no sorry it owes six million to the bank of ireland so that prompted me to have a look i think it was results that came out and i've just said look you know it's as always it's it's talking about jam tomorrow and good orders and all the rest of it but i think it's loop up is uninvestable right now because of the bank debt you know bank of ireland must be having kittens about how they're going to get their six million back but also it's burning through cash on an operating level so i'm quite surprised loop up is still uh still exists <coughs> i reckon it needs over 10 million in fresh cash and i just can't see who's going to um put 10 million quid into something that's just been a total basket case i don't think management are any good there either uh so very very high risk at loop up for me but but interesting potential i have to say for its cloud telephony business i think the dilution risk is enormous and the delisting risk is enormous too so i wouldn't be interested unless and until it raises 10 million plus of fresh cash but it will keep it on the watch list and will keep an open mind uh, Wimbledon Sprinter agrees with me and says, yes, you know, good strong growth, but this is on loop up, but um, it's uninvestable until the balance sheet and the bank debt's sorted. He also points out that the uh, results were unaudited, with, so that means they have didn't have a going concern statement. Um, now, that's very interesting, isn't it? What a great insight. Uh, so he's speculating here that maybe the auditors refused to sign off the accounts until the bank... Um, loan is extended or repaid and a, and a refinancing has been done. Great insight there, Wimbledon Swinter. I hadn't thought of that. So we should always check if the results are audited or not audited. Because audited means it comes with a going concern statement, which are vital reading. Uh, and uh, if it's unaudited, then, you know, they they haven't had that scrutiny yet and may not get it unless they can raise fresh funds. Tamsin kindly linked to her um, uh, from PI World, linked to the video and podcast from Gusborne, GUS, the, the English wine thing. I had a, a brief listen, but it, it, I'm not keen on, on Gusborne. The trouble, the whole business model of planting vines, waiting three, four years for the plants to mature, then starting to get a harvest, then having two or three years for the bottles to mature. You know, it's it's just too long investment time frame for me um so i did listen to that podcast but yeah, i'm just not interested in the business model of these things and for me uh, there's another one isn't there chapel down i think the shares in that are much more interesting because it's already profitable um so i do i can see the merit in chapel chapel down and these things have possible scarcity value and might get um bid for and there's this potential upside on the um the inventories as well of course which are in at cost uh, and and the other thing I've got with English wine, I've tried it loads of times. I just don't like it. I mean, that's a personal thing. Some people may like it. I find it very, very dry and acidic, too much so. And um, uh, the sparkling wine's good. But you see, I would say it's no better than a six or seven pound bottle of Carver. So why am I going to pay thirty pounds for an English fizzy wine? You know, it's a novelty in my view. 
But that's a personal opinion. Other people like it. Now, Planet X, excellent post from him. Always, he points out the Rockwood estate building at um, Hostmore. Uh, and, the, and that Rockwood is a, is a, is a very shrewd um, firm. So it's always interesting to look at what these uh, institutions are doing. Another one I follow closely is Christopher Mills. But you don't, the trouble is it doesn't walk, always work out well for the small shareholders riding on their coattails. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think that Planet X is a bit harsh about management. I'm not sure he's aware that um, it's actually got new management at the host more who seem to be good operationally. Or just ha- it's the operations manager who took over from the CEO whose growth strategy failed miserably. Um, so I think maybe you should check out that uh, Planet X because the management has changed at Hostmore. We also discussed in the reader's comments the value of the brand, the TGI Fridays brand that hosts more licenses from the US. I think that's a key competitive disadvantage now because it has to pay millions to the brand owner for a brand that I think quite a few of the readers have persuaded me that the brand TGI Fridays is now very stale and dated. I think there's there's an element of truth in that, isn't there? I'm going to mystery shop it again in Bournemouth to see if they finally worked out how to get some fizz into their fizzy drinks, which have been flat for the last year or two. Uh, Can you imagine that, serving sodas to everybody for the last couple of years that have been flat? I mean, it's going to do so much damage to your business. And then, of course, they tell us that, oh, you know, the the negative reviews on TripAdvisor aren't relevant. We get to see all the reviews from all the different sources, and they're good. I call bullshit. I'm sorry, I really do. Sorry for the profanities on that. Um, So, yes, uh, you know, very questionable on Hostmore. But I'll buy back in if we start to see the next trading update that, A, tells the truth about the like for likes, and, B, shows some actual recovery in progress. So I'm I'm watching on the sidelines with Hostmore. Could be a multi-bagger, could be, uh, um, you know, a serious problem with its funding if the bank don't remain supportive. So we'll see. Just wait and see. And we'll adapt our opinions according to what... How the, how the facts change, which is what we always do. People seem to expect me to be clairvoyant. I'm not. You know, I don't know what the future holds. Nobody does. So a lot of this is guesswork. All we do in the Small Cap Valley reports is we just look at the facts, the figures and the forecasts as they are today. Uh, we might then give an opinion on where we see maybe it panning out, but, you know, th- that will frequently be wrong because nobody knows what the future holds. So don't expect me to be some sort of fortune teller who can anticipate things into the future. That's just not how it works for anybody. That's your job. It's up to you to look at the shares and say, oh, actually, I think this could do better than expected. And, you know, that's the clever bit. What I do is I just go through the numbers and the commentary and the outlook and the broker's notes and, and that's it. That's that a view given on that date. Uh, and then when the figures and forecasts change, we change our view. I do have to keep ramming this point home because we regularly get reader comments just saying, well, you said this was good a year ago or two years ago. You know, and they, what planet are they on? I mean, honestly, they, you know, we're not gurus. We're not forecasters. We're just giving a, a view of the numbers as they are today. Please do bear that, bear that in mind. Oh, here we are. I've just found the discussion on Wednesday, 7th of June. Read comments. Very, very good comments here, back and forth. A council, who's mentioned this before, he, he's basically blaming me for um, Hostmore and Unbound having been such a disaster. And, of course, I've apologised to the readers numerous times about that, and I apologise again. You know, um, we were taken in, I think, by Electra Private Equity, who 
um, floated them in a demerger. But also the the macro circumstances for 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 both companies have massively deteriorated since they floated. Uh, he's complaining that his holdings worth little more than the commission it cost to sell. I feel for you, a council. I lost several hundred thousand pounds on small and unbound and I'm sure plenty of readers have as well but we just gave an honest view on the companies at each point in time and of course we we turned negative on them quite some time ago about a year ago I think so it's not true that we've been just talking it up constantly you know as soon as the facts change we changed our view on them so very sorry uh, those shares didn't work out but then our Millery who's one of our regulars says um, uh, what's this Uh, He's talking about the uh, the main risk for Hosmore is obviously being potential dilution. Well, that's what I've been saying for a while as well, and, and that's right. Now, I thought very good response here from Ken Mitchell. He's saying, yes, I agree, a lot of Stockopedia subscribers will have lost heavily on Hosmore and Unbound, and I did too. Uh, but at the risk of offending uh, those who do this, why hang on to the shares once, no, once you know they're going wrong? Very good point, didn't you? And he says here... Um, he just gets rid of things fast if it's becoming clear that the confidence on a share was unjustified. And chopping those positions quickly has worked wonders for his portfolio performance. I think that's a, a very, very good post. Uh, he said, it's better for us to just cut the loss immediately. We think we've made a mistake. And I should I should print that off and put it on my wall by my computer because I, I need to do that more often as well. So, and he got 35 thumbs up for that post. So well done. And thank you to Ken Mitchell. Very useful contribution and reminder there. It's too easy to fall in love with shares, isn't it? And just keep hoping for a turnaround. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe some sort of informal stop loss is a good idea if um, things are starting to really deteriorate. I don't know. I'll have a think about that. But it's it's a great point. Well made. Cheeky Minnows has posted here saying uh, fairly uh, fairly new to investing, so welcome to, to Stockopedia, Cheeky Minnows. And he's pointing an interesting comment here saying that um, a lot of it's dependent on your mindset and your um, personality, whether you're prepared to hold things that go down a long way. And of course, we've seen recently a lot of shares that sold off uh, uh, really, really badly, and you would have been stopped out, suddenly reported they're trading fine and the shares have shot up. Volex is a good example of that. Uh, so it's so difficult, isn't it? Every every sort of investing... Um, what's the word? Oh, you know what I mean. Any adage, every investing adage, uh, you know, works some of the time and doesn't work some of the time. So I don't think there's any rules for... Um, for for uh, you know that will work in every in every case, and that's the problem with stop losses. You know, in many cases, if I'd had stop losses in, they would have got me out of my biggest winners at the worst possible time. So I think it's all about research, 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 and and cash, cash, cash. You know, if a company isn't going to need to raise money, then you can ride out downturns. That's my approach, anyway. And actually, it's working quite well. This I'm having a really really good year this year. Um, but that's after an, a diabolical year last year, so I'm not putting the, the bunting out quite yet. Right, Thursday and Friday we were really busy, did a lot of catching up on the things I wanted to cover, so I've entered the weekend with a nice clear conscience that everything I wanted to get done has been done. So, right, let's run through these. What have we got? Camellia, Graham looked at this. This is really interesting, C-A-M. Uh, a totally obscure uh, producer agricultural business, but it's got all sorts of other bits thrown in 
uh, on top. And I've always looked at it and thought, mm, are these numbers actually real? You know, it's operating all over the world. Um, looked like it could be a value trap. Well, anyway, it's just announced possible sale of a Bermuda insurance business. Uh, I forget the exact figures, but maybe 30, 40% of the market cap. And it's talking about doing a tender offer. Uh, very, very interesting. But then an AGM statement came out, which Graham looked at. Uh, it's having a, a difficult year. Um, commodity prices are going all over the place. So I don't know how to value it, but it, it does look a very interesting company. And if that Bermuda deal completes, it's going to have a, a, a piles of cash. So for, for special situations, people, I think Camellia might be worth a look. Another share that both Graham and I think uh, is intriguing, we can't quite make up our minds on it, is called Altitude, A-L-T. A bit of a busted flush in the past, but it's come out with a quite a nice trading update, at least in line. Now, Altitude does... Um, it's got this sort of um, marketplace-type software in the US relating to promotional products um, companies. It sounds a great idea, but it's never really proven... Uh, its economic model. Uh, but anyway, it's got fast revenue growth growth over there. It's 32 million market cap. It rose 8% on this trading update. I think both Graham and I think this is worth a look for, you, for your speculative money. You know, it's not value. It's not even GARP. But I think Altitude, uh, uh, I don't know. We think there's something intriguing there, maybe. Now, I looked at some interesting ones. I circled back to, these are backlog items, IG Design, IGR. Now, this is the uh, $1 billion revenues group that makes uh, Christmas wrapping paper, uh, cards, lots of gifts, you, you know, all sorts of things related to gifting, really. Um, but um, unfortunately, during the pandemic and the lockdowns and all these supply chains emerged and its profits collapsed. And I think it really revealed a big problem with the actual business model of IG Design, which is that, you know, it's selling things on pretty tight margins. So a sudden unexpected spike up in its cost base and delays to its supply chain is absolutely crippling for a business that has to get the products out to its clients because they're for Christmas. So, of course, from the 25th of December onwards, the products are worth practically nothing. Uh, or you store them in your warehouse for a year, which ties up a ton of working capital. So that's the real flaw with IGR's business model, I think. Also, it's been very worrying how it's taken, I think, six months or more for it to renew its bank facilities. So I was really worried about the dilution risk on this one. And I think people who chased it up to two quid were actually being quite reckless uh, in ignoring the, um, the dilution or even the solvency risk here. But anyway, the good news is <clears throat> it's renewed the bank facilities. And, uh, yeah, as I say, it was... It was uh, uh, and I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've dug into it and pointed out that actually its balance sheet is quite good, and these bank borrowings are only really needed for seasonal spikes, which then get paid off when the customers pay the invoices. So banks tend to be quite, uh, what's the word, relaxed with that type of seasonal funding, um, which is maybe why investors may maybe I worried too much about the bank financing but I just like to have these things in the bag and the price has dropped a lot in recent weeks but it's recovered a bit to £1.47 I have to say I think it's looking quite interesting now IGR now that that 
bank funding stroke solvency risk has been removed, assuming they, they operate within the covenants, then <coughs> I think risk-reward just improved considerably. I mean, basically, it's a very simple bull case on IGU design. They need to get their margins back up again. If they can get their operating marg- margins back to the historic peaks of 4 to 5%, then you're going to have a multi-bagger on your hands, aren't you? But that doesn't happen overnight, and it's not easy to achieve that. And I think they need to also convince me that... They put in place amended contracts so that if there are unexpected cost increases in future, they can pass those on somehow. But I can't see customers agreeing to that. That's the problem. Why would you? You'd just say, no, thanks. There's loads of Chinese companies that will just sell the gear to us without that type of... um, So lots and lots of competition for products that are really quite commoditised. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm a little bit sceptical about whether IGR can easily re- rebuild those margins. I think it might be tougher than people think. But we'll keep an open open mind on it. Interesting announcement from PCI Pal on it. The, the niche um, software company saying uh, that it's in a big uh, patent dispute with Securio. And it's said that Securio has revealed that it breached the confidentiality agreement in April 22. <sighs> what happens over that? I don't know. But... Um, PCI Pal says this may or may not lead to further legal action against Securio. I don't know that that's particularly bullish. You know, I'd rather they just got case got this case resolved. Interesting growth company, though, PCI Pal is. But I'm just going to stay amber on it until the, the dispute is settled. Another dis- dispute that's been settled is DX Group. Um, with I think it was in dispute against Tufnels. Interesting, in today's press, Tufnels, they're saying, maybe about to call in receivers or administrators. Uh, so that's a lucky escape for Diet Group and for Smith's News, which, of course, sold off uh, Tufnels some time ago. Uh, looks like they did that in the nick of time. So, yeah, interesting. Now, Midwich, I quite like this, MIDW. I did a bit of digging into this. They've um, done a 50 million placing at only about a 6% discount for acquisitions. Now, I think a company that can raise money from fund managers at only a modest discount in current market conditions is worth looking at because that means they've got a great story and basically it's it's uh, rolling up competitors it's buying them at a reasonable prices their earnings are creative so and i can see that for a distributor of audiovisual equipment i can see that buying up competition in maybe new geographies and so on will help increase the group buying power won't it with the manufacturers so mid midwich i like the look of that have a look at it uh, as always, never a recommendation. We just fling ideas at you and you can then take it to the next level because our stuff is quick reviews. It's not in-depth research. Uh, so you, that's your job. You've got to do the, the in-depth stuff. Myriad Advertising, M-I-R-I, down another 20% to 3p. The 2022 accounts are out late. Absolute car crash, this one. It's one of the worst companies I've ever looked at. Uh, they, but they have done a, a recent placing, so they've got enough money for the time being. They reckon that can last a year. I'd be very surprised if if, if it does. Unless, you know, basically shareholders have to hope for a miracle here because the business model's a joke. It's hardly any revenue and massive, massive cash burn. So... 
I'm deeply sceptical about myriad advertising and I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole at any price but uh, unless you're prepared to lose all your money and you never know a miracle could happen and you get a 10 bagger so you just can't tell with these things can you now and pario ANP this is the uh, I think this does sort of eco-friendly animal feed now they've announced quite a big tender offer to buy back 17% of the share capital I think that's good uh that's returning nine million cash that the business doesn't really need. Um, we've been flagging the nice balance sheet there for many years, but there doesn't really seem to be an underlying growth story in the actual business. So returning the cash probably makes a lot of sense. Tristel, um, <clears throat> I covered earlier, we're having a moan about that. We, uh, we've waited years for FDA approval, so it's finally been granted. Um, <clears throat> so we'll just wait and see. Nice little business, but overpriced, as I mentioned before. But it could grow into that valuation if the US sales take off. 888 Holdings, I flagged up an interesting situation there. It shot up 26%. Graham's written a lot about that. I think the debt was the problem there. So have a look in the archive for that. But some shrewd, important new shareholders have been announced. But I don't think they're putting in fresh money. I think they've just appeared on the shareholder register. But, you know, it's always good when you see shrewd industry people, uh, you know, buy up a chunk of another company, isn't it? Uh, now, I looked at N Brown, can't make my mind up about this. This is the uh, internet uh, niche clothing retailer that is really a subprime bank. <laughs> the old catalogue style businesses, you know, where you pay on easy terms, but you end up paying a massive percentage interest. So I don't like the business model at all. Uh, but anyway, I had a good rummage through the numbers and hopefully gave um, gave a balanced view of the bull and the bear factors. So I can't make up my mind on it. So I put amber stroke red. So fundamentally don't like the business, but it has actually got quite a strong balance sheet. It could be bid for by the controlling family. Mike Ashley's popped up there. I mean, what hasn't he bought a stake in? <laughs> So, but I don't know, you know, I think ownership structure is too much of a risk there because if, you know, look, if Ashley and the controlling family decide to stitch up small shareholders, they can do with impunity. So I think that's the main reason I would avoid uh, N Brown. And, you know, it's just fundamentally a pretty crap business, but it does have a good balance sheet. So who knows? Discount to the discount of two thirds to net tangible asset value. Is, is the only interesting thing about the business. If that discount is real, then, you know, the shares are cheap. Churchill China, I looked at, AGM statement. Now, I'm amber on this. It's a nice business, but again, the valuation's always too high on this. It's come down to 17.5 times uh, forward PE. That would have looked attractive in a zero interest rates environment, but it's not attractive. Uh, now interest rates are higher, in my view. So... The only reason I can see for wanting to hold Churchill China is if you think the business is going to outperform the forecast, which it might well do. I don't know. But I pointed out, although they're very different businesses, they both make crockery and the Port Merion is only on 7.3 times forward earnings. So for me, Port Merion, the, the valuation gulf between Churchill China and Port Merion is not justified in my view. Although you can argue that Churchill China is a better business. Actually, if you put the numbers side by side, they make a pretty similar amount of profit. So, um, But anyway, Churchill China is, is seems to be trading quite well. So uh, it's a nice business. Great long-term track record as well. Zoom out on the chart and you'll see what I mean. It's been done seriously well long-term. So I do like Churchill China. Uh, if it got a bit cheaper, I might dabble. But I don't know. We'll see. Thursday's report. I think we'll make this one a mystery share. So uh, 
What can I say about it? Oh, well, I just I reviewed the interim results for a company. I think it reported on Thursday. It might have been for the day before. Not sure. But anyway, I think it looks really interesting. Don't hold it personally because I haven't got any spare cash. But uh, it looks very cheap for a, what has historically been a really good quality business. So uh, have a look at... Um, Friday's small cap value report where I'll add a reader comment saying what the mystery share is this week. Right, Crestonist Nicholson I looked at on Thursday. Very, very interesting. Nice value share. I'm green on it just because it's so cheap. This is the the house builder, as I say. Interim results came out. Now, I would say in the short term, I'm nervous about this. So although I've taken a green view on it, that's kind of medium term. Short term, uh, uh, it was the commentary is very interesting on Crest, Crest Nicholson for wider read across. What they're basically saying is the house building sector was recovering nicely from the mini budget disaster last autumn. Uh, confidence started to return, sequentially improving throughout the interim period, which is to April 2023. Uh, mortgage availability remains good, it says, albeit at more expensive rates. Uh, But it says here, if interest rates continue to rise and remain elevated for a sustained period of time, this will undoubtedly exacerbate this issue even further and start to impact demand and confidence again. Now, and they're lobbying government to try and get some sort of help to buy scheme put in place. I mean, the problem is, this is very interesting, because what it's saying to us, and this is what I've been saying for a while now, I think the Bank of England are just being too aggressive on rate rises, and it's going to push us into a recession, probably. That's looking increasingly likely so i think you know maybe with the house builders personally i'm not going to buy any yet i think it could have another there's been a big recovery in a lot of the house builder shares i think this sector could could give up some of those gains and there might be a better time to go into them in future but in the meantime Cress nicholson's got net cash bullet fruit balance sheet even if you write down the inventories deeply it's still highly solvent and is trading at a 20-odd percent discount to net tangible asset value. So a lot of this is already factored in the price, and the house builders are, are very much better financially than they've ever been before, really, so in a, a, entering a downturn. So I'm keeping my eye on this sector, but I think because of what's happened with interest rates, too far, too fast, I've taken my foot off the gas, and I'm not going to buy any house builders just yet. Oh, Graham had a quick look at Sophion. We both think this is a nice co- company, a software company, but it's too pricey for what it is. Uh, we need to, you know, profitability has actually dropped over the years. I know people say, oh, it's due to going to a SaaS model. But, uh, you know, I don't think we've seen enough evidence of quality or growth to justify chasing the price higher on Sophion. So sorry about that. I know a lot of private investors like it, but we're just we're just giving a view. You know, it's fine for you to, to disagree. That's, that's what makes a market, isn't it? Oh, the one I declined to look at on Thursday was Hargreaves Services, HSP. It's a very time-consuming share to analyse because it's got different elements to it. So I don't know if I'll have the time to get round to reviewing that, but we've we've liked it in the past. I know we we view that one positively, Hargreaves Services. It uh, used to be a coal distributor, but I think it's moved into engineering and uh, it's got large land holdings that it's developing. Very interesting group, for sure, but... Yeah, complicated to analyse, so we might not have time. Oh, Span Can points out that he's confused with my um, lukewarm stroke negative view on N Brown, uh, and the uh, the uh, it's got a consistently very high stock ranking. I'm also a bit confused about that. I think it could be because of the um, the amazing net tangible asset value backing in the shares. Uh, 
Uh, also, I noticed that the very latest accounts haven't fed through into the data yet, which should happen imminently. So it'll be interesting to see if those poor results for February 2023 that have just been published by N. Brown uh, affect the stock rank. And um, I've commented, and apparently there was a, an article in a bargain screening article that was positive about N. Brown. I should emphasise the writers don't, we don't have a, we don't have a house view on shares at Stockopedia, other than, well, I suppose you could say the stock ranks is the house view. That's the compu- computer's uh, non, um, non-emotional view of every share. And it's brilliant. The stock ranking system's fantastic. It's obviously not uh, infallible. It's not designed to be, but it is back-tested to show that in aggregate it uh, produces better results than uh, not using it. Uh, and also the writers are all freelance. We, we're independent. We don't have to consult what, what another writer said about share. And we like seeing different views. I like to read articles challenging my opinions on shares. You know, it makes you think. So uh, that's why, you know, so, so just to clarify on that point, we don't have a formal house view on any shares. And we like it when writers, uh, you know, put up um, differing views that's what it's all about we don't want to be just ramping things uh, on a sort of uh, you know you get enough of that elsewhere so we're just we're just giving uh, honest and balanced views on things hopefully that's the idea anyway I could add that to the disclaimer that goes into every report but at this rate or you know we're just going to end up with pages and pages of pretty bloody obvious <laughs> explanations you know I had to do that with the traffic light system where somebody claimed he the, the things that I put thumbs up on had done badly which uh, you know obviously if you, if you choose your starting date, date as the peak of, the, of a bear market uh, which is down 30% in small caps then obviously my share picks will have gone down everyone's have on average so anyway that was that was BS because as I can demonstrate uh, this year's 2023 watch list stock picks have done very very well and outperformed the markets right finally sorry this is going on way too long never mind we breached the one hour barrier so there's probably nobody left listening um on friday i caught up with the remaining items i wanted to cover i also flagged up megan's uh in quality investing mark market uh, masterclass which was um <clears throat> really really good i watched that live it was i forget which day it was wednesday thursday this week uh excellent stuff i think these overview type webinars are brilliant because it's so easy to get just immersed in all the detail in the individual companies and lose the overview so i found that very useful uh, the thrust of it was that quality stocks are the ones to focus on in a bear market because they outperform particularly in a bear market obviously and and they also perform uh, outperform long term as well but then in a in the, in a when a bull market starts it's often the actual low quality stuff that multi bags um, I've found, and I think Megan alluded to that as well indirectly. But no, it, it was brilliant, really, really useful. Thanks, Megan. I only flag up stuff if I'm if I, if I if I like it. I'm not. I haven't been asked to flag this up. Um, what do we look at? Oh, Shoe Zone was the company that really surprised to the upside. I thought that was a very very good update. 
Um, the last one had been quite wobbly, and the shares dropped from um, £2.50 down to about £2 when the interims came out, which were not good. The interims were quite poor, but it makes nearly all its money in H2, and the broker forecast seemed low, and it only said it would hit broker forecast. So we've had, in a way, quite mixed messaging from Shoe Zone, but it now, I'm pleased to say, looks like... Um, They've, uh, they're trading very, very well in May and June, and they're going to beat forecasts. So the forecasts have been raised considerably. So I covered all of that in Friday's report. So I've gone back from... I was, um, I, moved, well, I was green on, on Shoe Zone, but I went... Uh, it's obviously a value shares retailer, I'm sure everyone knows. Um, I was positive about it, but I moved to Amber when the interim results came out because, mm, you know, they weren't that good and the valuation looked stretched. But I've gone back to green now on Shoe Zone, I'm pleased to say because the facts and figures have improved to the upside. And that's what we base our opinions on. I looked at Martin Sorrell's outfit, the digital marketing group that's growing very rapidly by acquisition. Obviously, the main draw is his reputation for the wonders he worked at WPP throughout his career. Uh, so S4 Capital, S-F-O-R is a ticker, 708 million market cap. Now, I don't like it. I'm sorry. The facts and figures don't stack up for me. I reviewed it previously on the 11th of May. So have a look at that report for all the details but it's got a horrible geared balance sheet and to actually report a profit it has to make gigantic adjustments from what are heavy statutory losses so i don't think the numbers stack up at all for s4 capital but um, anyway it put out an agm trading update which was awful it was just full of waffle and buzzwords and oh just dreadful and that put me off even more so uh, and the market didn't like it it's down five percent you know, digital marketing group's not going to be doing that well at the moment, is it? Presumably, uh, as as companies cut back. So, I don't know. I don't buy it. But look, I, I wouldn't bet against Sir Martin Sorrell. <laughs> so, he's probably right and I'm probably wrong in the long run. We'll see. But, uh, you know, until the numbers stack up, I'm not interested. Costain, C-O-S-T. I've liked this one previously. It's actually got strong... Well, I don't like the business. It's a low-margin uh, infrastructure contractor but the figures are quite, actually quite good the balance sheet's good but and so we liked it when it was about 20 percent higher but it's dropped 20 percent recently on some project that's gone wrong on the building of the a66 uh i said here i've read read the rns three times and i can't get my head around it so i think we need more detail on that why this project fell through what the consequences are but the company says it remains confident of it's going to trade in line with expectations so could be an opportunity there if you're prepared to take a bit of a risk. Wan Disco, <laughs> W-A-N-D, obviously suspended. I've got a few. It's been a complete fraud, disaster. But it's uh, the latest update says it is coming back from suspension uh, at the end of June. I think it'll open 80 or 90% down, I think. Uh, but it all depends on what price the fundraise will be uh, done at. So there wasn't really any detail in that one. Key issues: what what price is the fundraise? And it looks like existing shareholders might want to preserve some value in the equity. We'll see. For me, anything is a bonus because I've written it off in my in my own books. And look, I lost about thirty grand on it, but I just take that as a fee that the market is giving me, charging me for making sure that I just avoid these speculative jam tomorrow things in future. You know, uh, and also that you can't necessarily believe trading updates and reports of bookings and order book figures you know as was the case with one disco they just made them up so um uh there you go i mean that's very very rare um but it is a reminder that these, these things can happen 
Now, Midwich, oh, this was the one where I did a more a detailed view of the placing. Uh, so have a look at that one. I've already mentioned that I like that one. Uh, ME International, MEGP. This is formerly uh, Photo Me. It's the photo booth operators. Also has quite a big laundry business now and several other sidelines. Uh, readers have kept nagging me to look at this. I finally got round to it on Friday. I really like it. We've been raving about this share for... Uh, since since the beginning of 2022, actually, and I flagged it up on a year ago, 7th of June 2022. I said, I call this a highly attractive buying opportunity, which is very rare for us to use language that uh, uh, overt. And that was when it was 70p, and it's now more than doubled. So we got that one uh, very much right. And I don't think it's expensive even now. So I, I really like ME Group. The only thing I can't predict is uh, what the future holds for these photo booths. But the interesting thing is they're now looking at biometric stuff, which could be uh, could be sort of give another wave of life to these photo booths. I have reached out, tried to set up a CEO interview with them, but I think it's probably too big for the company to want to be interested in doing an interview. I don't know. I hope they do because I'm. I've interviewed some other companies that are quite substantial, and uh, I only in- I don't I don't charge anything for my interviews, and I only interview what I think are the best small and mid caps. So they're worth listening to, I think. Uh, <clears throat> and yeah, hopefully for, uh, MEGP might agree to let me uh, interview them. Anyway, brokers have upgraded expectations, and it's on a forward P. I think of about. 12 or something which is not expensive providing those profits uh, keep rolling in and remember management tried to take it private at 75p which was a great signal wasn't it that it was undervalued but because they didn't get enough acceptances it fell through um so this one was really value sitting on a plate it was very very obvious as i said in june 2022 so it's not being wise after the event well done to people who, who bought some uh, stupidly, and I have no idea why I didn't buy any. Oh, God, ridiculous, isn't it? Trouble is, I look at so many companies, I easily forget what I should be focusing my money on. So as one, one uh, I think he's called Vivek, the guy I was chatting to at uh, Mello Chiswick, very nice guy, slightly off-the-wall sense of humour, but we got past that. <laughs> he said to me, Paul, you know, the way you write and the stuff you write about doesn't seem to match what you actually do with your own money at all. And I said, yeah, fair comment. <laughs> I do need to try and uh, focus more on putting my own money in the stuff that... Uh, that uh, I rate highest but there we go look that's the way it is isn't it sometimes finally to wrap up this ridiculously long podcast NWF put out a very nice trading update and it's renewed its bank facilities uh, this is the agricultural feeds thing um, and oil distributor is doing very well the, the forecast has been raised from 17.5 million to 19 million and I suspect um it might beat that. So uh, the only question really on NWF is is whether that level of profitability is sustainable, which we don't know. So have a look at that. It's a nice, uh, decent value, decent business, I think. Oh, and just, so that's it. Sorry this is so long. Just to wrap up then, uh, I, I want to get more reader comments. We're, uh, we've got some great people contributing. But honestly, um, 
if the rest of you who listen and never contribute could give some thought to maybe putting your ideas into the pot. I want to liven up the um, <clears throat> the comments section a bit. We need more people contributing. Several people said to me at Mellow, oh, the people who post comments seem so well-informed, so clever, that I feel intimidated and I don't feel feel my contributions will be, uh, will, 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 will be credible. I said, no, if you've got an insight on a particular industry or particular company, post away, add your comments, you know, and you don't have to post in a sort of cocky, arrogant, know-it-all style, um, <clears throat> which one or two, unfortunately, do. Well, we all we all slip into that, don't we, sometimes? You know, just, po- just post anything you've got if it's, if it's relevant and you think it might be of interest. Those are some of the best comments we often get from non-experts, if you like, but who've got interesting insights. So, yeah, we need, we need more reader comments. There aren't enough at the moment. It's too quiet. So uh, let's, uh, let's get more people uh, putting stuff up. Right, that's ridiculously long. One hour, ten minutes. S- apology. Well, you just sort of switched off if, if it wasn't of interest. So congratulations to anyone who's still listening. Thank you. And uh, I'll record part two after I've had a little cup of tea and a rest. <laughs>